Well, really good to see all of you here this morning. I want you to know that uh, it's been an absolute uh, amazing time away on this mission trip. If you want to find your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be looking at beginning in verse 15, but I want to thank you uh, for all of your prayers and your support and your encouragement uh, as I've been a part of a team that has gone into uh, India. And I tell you, you would be so proud of like our people and how they would just literally pour out their lives uh, for the gospel and for Christ. So we have like Dr. Stephen Chakmachian, Nurse Ashley Carter. We've got Carrie Fulton, our children's ministry specialist. We have Dr. Pete Younger, who served as our missions point person, uh, a lady from another church. They're, they're a church in Round Rock that is uh, looking at this exact same uh, opportunity and what God is doing there. Evelyn Honeycutt, she was a mission specialist. And then I had my own son, Cameron, uh, who was actually doing all this video and photography work. And it was just awesome to see our people just pouring out their lives for the gospel and for the cause of Christ and just loving these people so well and doing such meaningful ministry work. I had the privilege of doing some leadership development, um, a pastors and leaders conference that included both pastors and leaders and all their wives. And then there was this giant celebration of about 1,100 people, uh, these Banjara people that gathered um, this hadn't really happened before, celebrating their 20th anniversary, and uh, it was amazing. We saw 29 baptisms. We saw uh, 31 uh, people, Banjara people, uh, come and place their faith in Christ and, and doing so with, like, tears and, and weeping. It was, it was just an absolutely magnificent time. And I've got, a, I've got a lot of impressions that I'm still in processing that God has laid in my heart as a result of a trip like this. But one of the things that has become crystal clear for me is that we must make the most of the opportunities before us. We must make the most of the time that God has given us. And the only way that will ever happen is if we're walking in the wisdom of God. In fact, the text I would like to draw your attention to as we continue our way through the book of Ephesians is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. That is exactly what it says. Take a look at it. Verse 15, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Why does God want his people to walk in his wisdom? You and I must be able to clearly answer that question. And if we can't, what happens is we're, we're not really going to value God's wisdom. We will, we will accomplish far less than God ever intended because we're not valuing the wisdom that God has given us. And so from looking at this text, I want to drive home this essential point. We must walk in the wisdom of God and why that is important. And let me tell you the first reason why. And that is because of the opportunities before us. So let's take a look at it here. He says the word therefore. That means that everything previous that he's been writing on, that previous thought, that's what's setting up now when he's talking about walking in the wisdom of God. And just to review what George covered last week, therefore, he remember what he said like in verse 8 in chapter 5? He says, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So prior to me really coming to know Jesus, prior to anyone becoming a true Christian, 
you're walking in darkness, right? But when you place your faith in Christ, you become children of light. And he says, I want you to walk as children of light. And he says in verse 10 that we're trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And so he kind of concluded this whole section here in verse 14 when he says, for this reason it says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. We are to then, verse 15, therefore, as a result of this glorious gospel reality that we are in Christ, that Christ is shining on us and through us and in us, therefore, we are to be careful how you walk. This word walk occurs seven times uh, in in the book of Ephesians, and it speaks of the pursuits of an individual life. It is your daily direction. It's how you go through your day. And I want you to know that the, the word walk is extremely important to the book of Ephesians because how you live your life is of critical importance to God. You're not just plowing through day after day. God wants intentionality to your life. And so he talks about how we walk. You want to be careful how you walk, not as, what does the text say, not as unwise men, but as wise. The unwise person, or oftentimes it's presented in Scripture as the fool, never considers God, never considers God relevant to any situation in their life, has no reverence for God whatsoever, and hence they seek to accomplish and create a life, a life apart from God a life with new values, new aspirations. Oftentimes, it may even be antithetical to God himself. But I want you to know, like it says in Psalm 14, 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, right? The fool says in his heart, there is no God, and acts like it, like, why Why would I worship? Why would I care? Why would I care about what God has put in his word? Why would I care about a savior? Why would I really care about sin? Who cares about heaven and hell, right? Just a myth, just a cute little story. Who cares about the morality and ethics given to us by God himself? The fool says, (laughs) it doesn't matter whatsoever. But you and I, what what are we in Christ to do? Verse 15, we are to be careful how we walk. We are to walk in wisdom. The fool doesn't care about it, but we are very concerned about the walk. Remember, like, he talked about walking, I mean, just to review where we started, like, from chapter 4, verses 6 through 9, we are to walk in, we're to chapter 4, all the way through chapter 6, verse 9, beginning in chapter, the whole chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, we're to walk in unity. We're to walk in new life, chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. We're to walk in love. Remember that? Chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Like we saw last week, we're to walk in light, and now we see that God wants us to walk in wisdom. To walk or to live in wisdom. Wisdom has the idea of the skill and living with skill. It's the art of living well in the grace and the knowledge of God. It is to have a maturity, God's perspective, and following God's lead in life. 
It is to reverence and value God so that God is reflected in how we go about our days. Do you know that our lives as Christians are to, is to be like a picture of God and his wisdom? And the reason that we walk in his wisdom is because of the opportunities that are before us. We have the opportunity of putting God and his wisdom on display. This is by divine design. We share the gospel with our words, but we also share the gospel with our lives, a life that reflects the wisdom and the character and the nature of God. That's why he says, you got to be careful how you walk. Because the natural path isn't to walk in the wisdom of God. That is requires every single Christian to fully engage your mind and your heart. You need to be proactive. You need to take the initiative. You need to take responsibility. You have to live your life intentionally. If you don't, if you just go with the flow, you're not being careful and you're not being wise and you most likely will not walk in the wisdom of God. Why? Because you really don't value the wisdom of God. And you might find that if you don't really value the wisdom of God, you might want to check just how much you really value God himself. Is he nice, a little fire insurance policy, helpful when I need him, but for the most part, I'm going to do my own thing in life? Pretty sure you're not going to be walking in the wisdom of God. Because when you have a heart and a true reverence for God and a true fear of him, a reverential fear, why then his wisdom becomes so very valuable to you. You see, our lives are to be a living illustration of God's wisdom put on display. I mean, God's holiness, his justice, his love, his power, his mercy, our dependence upon him. God has actually created humanity, right? Every single person is made in the image of God. God's the one who's given life, designed life. He knows how life is intended to be lived. And prior to Christ, we walked in darkness. But now that we know Jesus, we're to walk in the newness of life. And we are walking his life. We are a picture of God's wisdom, the picture that the world will see. And I want you to know that that is becoming increasingly greater and greater for our ministry, that to show the wisdom of God by the lifestyle of his people. That means how we treat people, that we see people, every single person from every ethnic background, we, we see them and know that they're made in the image of God and we treat them with dignity, that the morality and the ethics given to us in the scriptures they are ours. I know they're under assault, and they're in a complete opposite direction of where the culture is going. But we're not following or exalting the culture, right? We're not here to like, well, let's just kind of compromise, and we'll, we'll, we'll tone down this, and we just won't even talk about this. We'll skip over that. You don't want us to ever talk about biblical morality, marriage, uh, homosexuality, and you don't want us to talk about that? We won't, right? Because we don't want to make waves, no. We're going to walk in the wisdom of God. We're going to reflect and show his likeness. We're going to engage people with love, respect, with truth. Why? Because we're putting the wisdom of God and God himself on display. And so we can graciously and thoughtfully engage the people in our lives, and we must and we do so with God's wisdom. We're always giving God the glory. And yeah, we're, we're going to fail, right? I've got probably more failures than successes, right? 
But that's why we have a gospel. That's why we have a savior. And even by us saying, you know, I made the wrong decision there, or I really blew it there, or I failed there, I sinned and I missed the mark. But I've got a savior who has rescued me and forgiven me. And I live in his righteousness and not of my own. And I'm pursuing him. Every, every time we do that, every time we live out the wisdom of God, God and his wisdom are put on display. But there's something else I want you to see about walking and being careful about walking in his wisdom. See, another opportunity that is before us is that we have the opportunity of finding great joy and fulfillment in Christ by knowing his wisdom in our life. We have the privilege of showing God's wisdom and the character of God to the world, but we also have the opportunity of personally knowing it. Think of this. Walking in the wisdom of God is the way we experience the riches of Christ. When we walk in his ways, according to his word, I want you to know that is deeply satisfying to one's soul. There's great joy. There's delight. You're walking in love. You're really becoming the person that you really desire to be because it's what God desires you to be. That all happens when we are walking in his wisdom. So take a look at that text again. He says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. And then take a look at this, verse 16, making the most of your time. To make the most of your time. This is a word that could be translated like redeem or purchase. It was used of buying a slave, buying a slave out of slavery and releasing them. It is to have something to show forth. It is that you have something to show for your time, that you are, have you ever heard this phrase? Redeeming the time. You ever heard of that? That's, this is where it comes from. That there is something to show for your time and how you use it. And when we walk in God's wisdom, guess what? We find great joy and fulfillment in knowing Christ. It's, it's walking in his wisdom. And it's, I want you to know, it fills our life with joy. It is the way life was meant to be lived. If you walk in the wisdom of God, you're going to save yourself and your family and the people around you so much heartache, so much trouble. Why? Because God's wisdom is flowing through your life. So why is it so important to God that we walk in his wisdom? Well, it's because of the opportunities before us to put God and his wisdom on display for us to experience the fullness of life in Christ. But let me give you a second reason why it is so important to God that we walk in his wisdom. And that is because of the dangers that are facing us. The dangers that are facing us, or as he says in the text that we're looking at, look at verse 16. We're to be making the most of your time because the days are evil. We're to make the most of our time because the days are evil. The days are evil because they're they're presenting us all sorts of opportunities to miss the mark, to sin, uh, to order to counter the evil that is in the world, we've got to walk in God's wisdom. This also could be the idea that the, the days are evil because 
the days are always calling you to fill your life with distractions and the things that are meaningless, just to be overwhelmed and consumed with just entertaining yourself and to miss the most important things. And so you and I must chart a course to live for the glory of God and to walk in his wisdom. You know, only an unwise person just goes with the wind and wherever the tide is. The wise person actually says, that's the port that I'm going to. And they're going to do whatever it takes to get there. And so if our course is to to bring God great glory and to experience and know and to show his goodness and his love and his mercy and his grace, then we're going to have to be intentional about walking in his wisdom because the days are evil. And you're like, okay, the days are evil. Like, what does that mean? How evil are they? I thought the days were good, right? Well, I want you to have a biblical perspective of the era in which we live. It is referred to as the last days. And so to have you have a a good understanding and a description of the evil in our days, I'd like you to, you could just hold your place here in Ephesians, but to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, because you have a very graphic description of the evil in our time. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, he actually talks about the depravity of the human condition. And when we talk about depravity, that is the sinful human nature that is expressed and how they live, and their rejection of God and his truth. Depravity doesn't mean that you're as bad as you could be, but it means that apart from the life-saving, life-changing relationship with Christ, you will still always pursue a pattern of life that is apart from God. You will never have peace with God because you don't have Christ himself. And if you are still living in the flesh, living life apart from God, you may be religious, but and that happens a lot. You're a religious person, but you truly haven't come to know Jesus. I want you to know what this looks like and how difficult these evil times and these last days are. And that's what you find in chapter 3 in 2 Timothy. He talks about the sobering reality of of how you and I will live in this world and what this world looks like. And so he says, chapter 3, 2 Timothy, verse 1, he says, but realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. And you're like, what are the, when are the last days? The, the New Testament presents the last days from the time of Christ's resurrection, when he then ascends to the Father, until the time that he returns. And so that, these, this is the period of the last days. When Christ, so, uh, so when, when he returns, there is this first returning where he is actually going to rapture or carry away the saints that believe. And then following that is going to be this seven-year period of tribulation. Between Christ's ascension to, the he- to heaven to be at the right hand of the Father to the time that he snatches away his saints, his, his second coming, this is the last days. And let me show you just how evil they will be. He says, verse 2, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving. 
This is the Greek word storge. It means like without family love. Irreconcilable. Malicious gossips. Without self-control. Brutal. Haters of good. Treacherous. Reckless. Conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This shows the depravity of the human condition. This is why the days are evil. This is why we are called to be careful how we walk and the way we walk in wisdom. Because if you're not, you're going to be overwhelmed by the depravity that exists everywhere. And to show you just how deep this goes, it's not just the depravity that exists but there are also going to be deceptive false teachers that are going to seek to lead people astray. And we won't have to walk through time to walk through those verses, but verses 5 through uh, 9, he actually talks about these people that are holding to a form of godliness, although they've denied its power. You've got false teachers who are going to be moving, trying to move people away from the clear teaching of Scripture. They, will, uh, they may identify with Christianity, Likely so, hold the Bible and say, oh, of course we believe the Bible, but they are going to deny like the exclusive claims of Christ, the gospel of grace. They will distort biblical truth. And this pattern that you'll find in verses 5 through 9 is that this is how false teachers work. They infiltrate, then they manipulate, and then they separate. They infiltrate. They try to infiltrate churches. They try to infiltrate mainstream Christian ministry. And then what they do is they start manipulating people. Well, the Bible, yeah, I know it says that, but it doesn't really mean that, okay? Or that was just for a few different people. We have to ignore, no, no, no. And so they, or we've come up with a better understanding and some sort of creative new interpretations, oftentimes which are direct contradiction to what the scripture actually says. But you have to trust us. We're scholars on this and we've written books on this and we got this. You're not as smart as us. You need to believe this, Right? They're manipulating, and then finally, they lead to separating. They're leading people away from God, his truth, and those that are teaching the scriptures, the inerrant, infallible word. This is all-encompassing of the evil of our days. And so going back to Ephesians chapter 3, in light of what Paul has presented to us, take a look at these verses one more time. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the opportunity, because the days are evil. You want to make the most of the time that you have. Uh, See your time like money. How are you investing it? Are you spending it wisely? You know, if you, if you don't invest well and you don't spend your money wisely, you're just frivolous with it and you can kind of glare less and, and you don't really think long-term. It's just like, well, I got money. I'll just need to spend it, right? Can't have this in my hand too long. And if that's kind of how you function, well, I, I'm pretty sure you've got some pretty difficult financial times, right? Because you're not actually being that wise with your money. You haven't even given a lot of thought. Same with time. You can never get time back, you know? Once that hour's passed, you can never recover it. Are you investing your time wisely? You know, we oftentimes just kind of pour out our 
ourselves, our time, into things that are almost meaningless, right? And we can have hours, even days, just kind of go by, and I'm not sure if I did it or experienced anything of great value. Like, to give you like an illustration of what this would be look like, let's say a guy is running a yard sale, right? And he's got a bunch of stuff, right? And so it's in the newspaper, and he's got his little signs up, and, and, and there are all these tables filled with all this guy's stuff, and, and some of it is valuable, you know, like his Barry Manilow uh, CD collection, you know, and it's all out there, and, and jeans and clothes and, and some ornate vase things sitting there, and, and he just says, everything's a dollar, Right? And so, you know, people start showing up and they're like, hey, how much are these jeans? Oh, it's a dollar. And these CDs, wow, you know, like, oh, I don't even have a player for them, but I really need these in my great coasters, everything, right? It's a dollar. And then, like, you know, there's, a, there's an art collector and he's kind of looking through all this stuff here and he notices that the, this vase. He's like, wait, wasn't that the vase that was sold in May that belonged to that uh, Chinese emperor, that, like, extremely rare? It sold for like $1.8 million? The guy goes, yeah, that, that is. I actually got it. But, you know, we could never find a place in the house for it. <sighs> I would get rid of it, you know? So it's sitting right there. And the guy goes, well, how much is that? It's a dollar. Everything's a dollar. Where would you spend your dollar? Would you, well, look at these little plastic toys. The wheels are off them. But I think I'll, how much is it? It's a dollar. I think I'll buy that. And they're sitting next to the vase. Or would you go, you know, that vase is really valuable. I think I'll invest that. I tell you that because that's kind of how time works. You have an hour. I think you made an excellent choice what to do with your hour of worshiping God, right? But there are a lot of ways you could just just waste it away, right? Um, are you investing your life in the things that are very important and very meaningful? Think of your relationships, family, Think of God and serving him and worship. Thinking of ways of deepening your understanding. Doing meaningful work to the glory of God. Resting to the glory of God. I challenge you, make the most of your time. Think carefully about it. You might want to get good at about like, budgeting your time. What I do is I try to think about like each day what I'm, I'd like, you know, I'm Ask God, what, do you, what do I, should I accomplish? I've got these lists. That works well for me. Sometimes I even prioritize that. But I, this is what I want. I think through a week. And then I think about what, like long-term, maybe months. Like these are things that uh, I want to be working toward. And, I, and I'm seeking God after these things. But I always have to have like, but it's always dependent on like God could always change my schedule, right? And there's going to be times where things are going to change, and, and I'll, I'll invest in that because that's clear this is what God wants you to do, but I'm going to come back to these things. I'm not just like, well, I just missed it. But I want to make the most of the time that I've got. I love what Amy Carmichael, the Irish missionary to India, what she said, quote, We will have eternity to celebrate the victories, but only a few hours before sunset to win them. We will have eternity to celebrate the victories, what God has done. But there's just a few hours before sunset, and your time and my time on this earth, it's over. So we have to think, and we have so many opportunities before us, 
Uh, I picked this up here uh, from Tim Sanders. He was the chief solutions officer for Yahoo. I, this was at least 15 years ago, and I, and I read this of how he tries to prioritize and figure out like, where he should be making his investments. And what he does is he talks about three categories. You've got, like, he talks about like rubber balls, metal balls, and glass balls. And so if you're around me or we work together, we do ministry together, you know that I, I, I refer to this on a pretty regular basis, right? And the rubber balls, uh, they refer to those things that just kind of bounce back, right? Like, if it doesn't happen, like, perhaps you, you missed a practice, um, you missed a, a football game, you know, like, eh, it's, you know, it would have been nice to see it, but I didn't. And I know that, you know, with the Cowboys playing, some of you are like, oh, wait a second, that's got to be at least a glass ball, right? You know, like, no, but I want you to know, like, I missed the Cowboys game. We were traveling in the middle of nowhere. I don't know where we were at. I didn't get to see it last week, right? Okay, that's all right. Did it have been nice? But it's Okay. And my life has gone on. My marriage has not been affected. Everything's good, right? And so we have those things. You miss book club, okay? You missed, a, you missed soccer practice. I, I know it's really important to be at soccer practice, but if you missed one, not the end of the world, right? You're probably not going to be knocked off the Olympic team because you missed a soccer practice, right? They're rubber balls, right? But then some things in life, though, they're, they're like metal balls. They, they create noise if they drop. The rubber ball just bounces your back, Right? Metal balls, though, they're going to make some noise. And these are things, perhaps you have a responsibility at work. It's a B-level responsibility, but you didn't do it. There's going to be some noise. And people, you know, your boss is probably going to talk with you like, hey, what are you doing here? Is your head in the game? We need you to be doing those things. This is important, and this is why this is important, right? Um, you, uh, you don't balance your checkbook, and well, all of a sudden you just ran that thing dry, and the bank is contacting you. Hey, what are you doing here, Right? It's embarrassing, it's difficult, it's not the end of the world, but, you know, it's going to make some noise. But then um, there are some things in life that are like glass balls. And should they hit the ground, it's probably going to shatter and there's going to be some pieces. And it's not going to be all that easy to fix because you missed it. You didn't assess it correctly. So significant things like... um, Meaningful family events, like this is really important. And for whatever reason, you chose not to be there. Or um, you made a promise. You promised this person this. And you really never got around to fulfilling it. That's going to be a, a glass ball. And when it falls, it's, it's going to be hard to repair. Now, I want you, that's the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of God is that he is a God who can restore, Right? He can. He can put those pieces back together. In fact, with God, they could even be better because you see God's grace flowing through our imperfections and his power and his might. And we have tools like forgiveness and communication. These are given to us by God. But think of it this way. The choices of our lives separate the unwise from the wise, right? The choices in our lives separate the unwise from the wise. When you look at the fabric of your life, if it's cheap, fabric, easily torn, you've probably not made a lot of good choices. And that's on you. Don't play the victim card, okay? We've all had difficulties, some more than others, but you're making a lot of choices. On the other hand, you make a lot of good choices. Why, you find we've got strong fabric. You can deal with great difficulties because God's all over it and he's all through it. And his wisdom is reflected in your lives. And so let me just give you, like, just how do you walk in the wisdom of God? 
I want you to know it requires daily decisions. Remember, you have to be proactive, right? What does the text say? Be careful how you walk, okay? That means you got to have intentionality. You're like on the alert. Hey, I want to walk. I need to be walking with intentionality. Well, these daily decisions like to delight in the character of God. Make it a daily decision. Stop just going through life like, well, whatever. I'll, I'll think about God if I'm forced to or something comes across my path. No, you need to be intentional. Try to begin your day. I challenge you. Try to begin your day just delighting in God and find out what a better day it is. Another one, you need to make daily decisions to love God and his word with a reverential devotion. The way of wisdom is revealed in the word of God, meaning you have to have a diet that has scripture in it where you're reading the scripture. It's going to have to be more than once a week. That's not good. If you only ate physically once a week, you'd be in pretty tough shape. Same true spiritually. And it's this reverential awe. If you want to grow in wisdom, read the book of Proverbs. The whole book is about wisdom. And in Proverbs chapter, there's only, there's, there's 31 chapters, generally 31 days in a month, chapter a day. I tell you, you do that for several years, you're going to grow in wisdom. And the book begins, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. Or Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This reverential awe toward God, why, that's the beginning of wisdom. Let me give you another just um, daily decision. To exercise self-discipline and discernment. We uh, find ourselves kind of going into two extremes, right? There's the one extreme of procrastination, and then the other extreme is like being a workaholic, right? So some, um, you know, they're just kind of neurotic about time, and others, they're just kind of, they just waste it. And so it requires discipline. Discipline to direct our energies into things that matter. And it is, it is self-discipline. By the way, guess where that comes from? Yourself? Actually, the fruit of the Spirit. Do you remember the final aspect of the fruit of the Spirit? Is what? Right? Self-discipline, right? He'll give it to you. And so we have to apply ourselves. If you're going to move forward in God's wisdom, you've got to be careful how you walk, and you're going to have to be intentional about disciplining yourself. That means you've got to say no to things, sometimes even good things, so you can say yes to the great things. But you also need to exercise discernment. And especially if you're kind of like a restless workaholic, and I want you to know this is one of my most significant shortcomings. And so I don't say this lightly, but life is more than work. You are not just a machine for productivity. You are meant to enjoy and know the goodness of God. You're to have meaningful relationships. And so we have to have times for restoration and renewal and laughter and just rest. Times to enjoy God's beauty and to enjoy people, right? And to enjoy God himself. And that requires dis, uh, discernment. And I'll just throw this out there for some of you who want to join my camp as a recovering perfectionist. Remember this one phrase. Life doesn't have to be perfect for it to be wonderful. Life doesn't have to be perfect for it to be wonderful. Because if you're a perfectionist, you're going to keep working this thing over and over and over and over again. And yeah, it might get a little bit better. It might even get a little worse. But, you know, you realize, like, you know what? This is, this is really, this is just fine the way it is. Let me give you just some, one more point. You need to make a daily decision to develop depth 
and maturity. You want to develop like a, a biblical world, worldview. You want to value maturity in Christ, and wisdom is the way to do it. So let me just give you a couple of practical points for making wise decisions. Ask God, is this wise? You might want to ask each other that. Like you're married, you're in a small group, and you're like, is this wise? I, I want you to know that God will give you a lot of clarity, and you might go, ah, this is stupid. What am I doing? Man, I'm so glad I asked God that question. But if you don't, if you're not careful how you walk, you'll walk as an unwise person. What is the path of wisdom in this situation? You ask God that, I, I can assure you, he's going to start giving you clarity. Second thing is you want to look to Scripture. Look to Scripture. Actually, you have God's will written out. You have wisdom presented to you. So look to Scripture. You're going to find wisdom right here in these words. And finally, you want to seek wise counsel. Find godly people and run situations by them. Ask them, what do you think? I know you're smart, but I want you to know that if you're not seeking wise counsel, you're going to make some bad decisions. And I've seen really smart people make some really bad decisions and have been so helpful if they would have just sought some wise counsel from another. I feel like my life, I, I'm, I'm in great need of wisdom, so I'm always searching for it, okay? And, I'm, and I've, I feel like I'm the product of great mentors, people that have poured their life into me. And I have always had all sorts of questions. I mean, what does a Christian marriage look like? What is... How do you parent at every stage? What do you do with these, all these challenges? I, I'm always looking for wisdom as a leader and as a pastor. I've got good friends and mentors, and, and I really value folks that are farther down the line than me because I need real answers to real problems. It's so good to learn the wisdom that God has shared for others from others. How to be a, a, a professor, how to make the most of my academic opportunities. I've always valued this kind of wisdom. Like just even going to this trip to India, you know, I don't feel like I'm an expert in speaking with, in a third world context with people that uh, have not had the opportunity to learn how to read and write. I've, I've done it some, but there's so much room for growth. So I met with like Willie uh, and I met with uh, and people from India and this Evelyn Honeycutt, who's a kind of a mission specialist. And I changed actually a lot of my talks based on what I learned from them because I want to be effective I need wisdom, and I want to walk in God's wisdom. I mean, there's a, a young lady. Um, she's moved. She's not, no longer a part of our church. She's in, a, in another city, and uh, she's started dating this guy, but there were some red flags, and she desperately wanted wisdom should she move forward. And we had a very meaningful conversation. And I really applauded her because this is a young lady who's looking for the wisdom of God. Know this, the life of Christ shines when the wisdom of God becomes our way of life. So how will you respond to wisdom? I challenge you, try to do this before the cowboy game, but read Proverbs chapter 9. It's a short chapter, but you've got Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly, and both are calling your name and wanting you to walk in their ways. Which way are you going to go? And if you think about it, what would, what would it look like if we continue to walk in God's wisdom? in our life personally and with our families, in our church, in our community, at school, like wise students, at work. God wants us to be careful how we walk and walk in his wisdom.
Dallas Willard, best-selling Christian author, and uh, he actually taught philosophy for almost 50 years at University of Southern California. And his whole life was just dedicated to help people uh, have a meaningful understanding of what it means to reflect the likeness of Jesus his love, his humility, and his gentleness. Pastor John Ortberg, a a close friend of his, spoke with him shortly before um, Dallas Willard died of cancer in 2013. And he asked him this. Ortberg asked Willard, do you regret anything? And he said, I regret the time I've wasted. (laughs) Stunned Ortberg wrote this. If there is any human being on the planet who has not wasted time, it's Dallas Willard. I don't think he'd know what a television was if it hit him on the head. He's either reading or teaching or doing ministry or doing bits of carpentry around his house or mentoring students or praying. If he's guilty of wasting time, the rest of us may as well sign up for vagrancy hell right now. But then Ortberg went on to explain what he thinks Willard meant by that one statement, that one regret. Quote, redeem the time, the Apostle Paul wrote, because the days are evil. I think Dallas regretted all the time he wasted. Not because he compared himself to other more efficient people, but because he began to see what life could be. I remember him saying that all of us lost souls allow ourselves to live in worry and anger and self-importance and pettiness when life with God is all around us. Friends, Don't waste your life. Make the most of the opportunities that God has given you. So walk with Christ and walk in his wisdom because the life of God is all around us. And remember this, the life of Christ shines when the wisdom of God becomes our way of life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the privilege it is to open up your word And the power of it is that you open our hearts and through the working of your spirit, you take your truth and you call us to greater life, to walk in your ways, and you actually empower us to do this. So Lord, if there is someone here today who has never truly trusted you, they have been unwise and they're walking in the ways of this world, would they pray with me now and say, God, I turn from myself and sin, and today I trust in Jesus who rescues me from my sin and myself. Fill me and use me and lead me. And God, for all of us, help us to walk in your wisdom, to absolutely delight in the joy of knowing you, to reflect your wisdom as ambassadors of Christ to the people in our lives, with our family, fellow believers, with the people at school and in work and in our community. We ask, God, that we would glorify you in all respects. So help us to walk in your wisdom. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.